who don't know or haven't figured it out by now, we don't prepare questions really. At all. We like to think we know the guests a little bit before they come on and we talk about things we want to know about with them, but we don't actually sit down and think about questions. I don't have notes. No, I don't. No, I don't. We're sitting here with, we have our phones on the desk, but that's about all. Let me make sure my phone is turned on mute. So What's, sh- yeah. what's on your phone? Your two oh, truths and two, a lie. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's all, all your prep work. That's all I'm looking at. We always ask the guests to give us two truths and a lie. Always is is kind of a stretch because we haven't been doing it for that long. But yes, one hundred percent of the time. We plan to always do it. So the audience may already know who the guest is today because she's been talking, even though we specifically told her to not talk Zip until it, yeah. we introduce you. But she's kind of she's a, a rebel. She's a force, and I would say that actually contributed to getting her where she is mm-hmm. that she doesn't follow the rules at all so i think it's actually very fitting this yeah. is par for the course like yeah. i will insert myself into any silence or conversation next so. week you'll be a co-host <laughs> <laughs> he just takes over the I show i'm gonna be on vacation <laughs> if you're driving back from the airport you see billboards with me and stephanie yeah. and we've taken over <laughs> what is going on here the podcast took off but before we officially introduce her we should read the two truths and a lie yeah so do you want to start with the first one so far, I've always started. So do we want to keep it as a... No, I'll do it this time. Okay. Then. We'll break the rules just like our Whoa, guest always does. Yeah. Follow her good lead. Uh, the first one we receive is, I am near fluent in French. Near, near. fluent in French. It's like French. air quotes around near. She kind of quotes a lot because I have another air quotes. I once attended, quote, quilting camp, end quote. Is there a quilting camp? Like, well, Is that a real thing? It's in quotes. So I'm going to say it's a pseudo thing. But uh, a camp where you quilt, I suppose. Number three, I've earned several pest control certifications. I'm waiting for quotes around pest control or certifications on that one, too, because that's another really... It's, really it's another thing. Like, does that exist? <laughs> Who certifies you? Can see. you. <laughs> so two of these we're not even sure are real things. I think French exists. I think I'm French sure. exists. Yeah, I took it in high school, so yes, okay. it is a thing. Well, our guest today... We'll introduce them now. We're very excited to have Stephanie Burris on the show with us. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very exciting to be here. Let's start this off. I want to talk about a lot of things today. Well, One is that... We've got to guess our answer. We're going to guess. Yeah? We're okay. going to guess the answer. I just want to first <laughs> state that I'm most intimidated about this podcast because Stephanie <laughs> is just so overqualified to be on our show. So we really appreciate you making the time today. That's very kind, and I don't feel that way at all. Okay, so. I don't really feel that way either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Although you were telling me, I'm nervous talking to Steph today. Why? That's fascinating. Just, we'll talk about it in a minute. But let's first guess, <laughs> let's first a, guess what... Um, you want to sit on the couch? For yes, one, please. I feel like Can I lay down? Unpack that a little. <laughs> What are you thinking is the lie here? I'm going to say the quilting camp in quotes just makes it feel close enough to a reality that it's a thing. I can absolutely see you being near fluent in French. You didn't say fluent in French because that would have put mm-hmm. it in lie territory. Mm-hmm. But putting near in there makes it, oh, that's probably a truth. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the pest control certifications because that sounds like a totally made up thing to me. I think the lie, I think, Stephanie, you are fluent in French. I don't think you're near fluent. I think you are fluent in French. So what is the lie? (laughs) The lie is that I'm near fluent in French, but not for the reason you think, because I have probably retained about two or three phrases in French, including, where's the toilet? And I'm sorry, I'm American. So that's about (laughs) all I recall from French. But 
I did indeed go to quilting camp, and I don't, they're probably expired now, but I did earn several pest control certifications. Who certifies you for pest control things? Well, Derek, that's a great question. Like a lot of people, I attended Bedbug University in Princeton, New Jersey, and I was certified in both bed bug biology and Isn't that true? bed bug inspection. <laughs> I, she's yes. totally pulling our leg here. <laughs> I'm not. Wait a this is continuing. There to is a bed me. bug university. <laughs> there is. There is. I don't know if it's actually still accepting enrollees, so I don't want to get your hopes up. But yes, there is indeed a bed bug university. And at the time, I was helping a client launch a bed bug inspection product. And they felt it was really important that I understood bed bug anatomy and inspection. And it was actually like kismet because I have a weird fascination with bugs in general. So my whole destiny was leading me to this, <laughs> bed bugs. this moment. But I've actually done bed bug inspections in a Howard Johnson, which I have to say, great place for bed bug inspections. And then I also did one in a halfway house. They had some other bug problems they wanted to talk to me about. And I was like, oh, I'm only here for the bed <laughs> bug the inspection. Bed I don't know how to help you with that. But yeah, you, you know, over the course of your career, you have to learn about all of these different things you never thought you would become an expert in. And I know way too much about bed bugs. So I won't dominate the conversation with bed bug biology and reproductive habits, but if you ever want to sidebar on either of those things, I could tell you a lot of freaky things. All right. Lunch with Stephanie. I want to take a step back and talk about why I was so intimidated for this podcast. And it actually goes back, I've been at Marcus Thomas seven, going on seven years now. And when I first started and we work on projects, I found that when you're going to be in a meeting with Stephanie, you were always going to ask some question I was not at all prepared to answer. So going, <laughs> and it would be like the most... Meetings with lots of people, you're brand new somewhere, and you're like, okay, I know the project, I know everything that could come up. And then the first question from Stephanie would be like, something that will totally just like knock you through the wall. Like, I, have, I have no idea. So before every meeting you were going to be in, I'd be like studying things. Like, oh what could gosh. possibly come up? And there would always be something, and you'd feel underprepared because Stephanie would hit you with a question. So with this podcast, I, I still have like that anxiety oh, no. of coming in. I'm like, even though we're interviewing, I'm like, she's going to ask me a question I'm not going to be able to answer. And I'm going to be humiliated on air. Well, we can cut that part out, Jesse. It just doesn't go away. You we just have always control. have that feeling. Well, Jesse, I don't know is a perfectly fine answer to a question. And I feel like it's one that I say all the time. But Why I, didn't you tell me that seven years ago? <laughs> did I? <laughs> no, I could I say, have how wonders. dare you not that have an answer That would have done wonders for my ego <laughs> if you had said that on day one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the name of this podcast is Ask a Better Question, right? It's baked into yeah. the agency DNA. Yeah. So I just feel like if I don't ask a question in a briefing or a kickoff or something, it was probably a boring kickoff so don't don't feel anxiety but you always did when you used to work together in more projects you always did seem overly prepared always came in with questions like what, what do you think got you that way had you been in a lot of meetings and stuff where people didn't have the right answers or weren't asking the right questions did it take you a while to sort of adopt that sort of personality hmm that's a good question well, I'll have to get could, back to you on that no <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't so I have a a bad habit of wanting to fill silence with sound. And sometimes that's just like, I, I, I just don't, I don't like an awkward silence. I, I don't know. And, and I also think that if somebody presents something to you 
and you don't have a question, it's kind of rude. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm like, I'm just driven to want to know more, want to dig in, wanting to make connections between things I've heard and things I know or things I don't know. So I feel like it's almost a sign of respect and engagement to raise your hand and say, well, what about this? Or, you know, do we know anything about this? I'm naturally curious and I want whoever's speaking to me and presenting to know that I'm paying attention and I'm thinking critically about what they're sharing with me and I have questions. I think that's a huge asset in your role. Executive creative director, is that your title? Yes. I, I, titles just go past me, but right. it's your job to help the people that are working under you to make better work. And when you ask questions about where, why, how, it forces them to think harder about what they're doing and recognize, oh, wow, that's something that maybe I didn't think about that could push things in a totally new direction for better or for worse. But if the question's not asked, we're going to just go down our tried and true path. So I think those questions as surprises are better than the expected questions. I think you're right, Derek. And I think I'm part of my creative journey from copywriter to where I am was having to unlearn having the solution and having to learn how to ask the questions that lead teams to solutions. And that's hard when you got into the business to have the answer, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to find joy in the creativity of coming up with an interesting problem to solve or coming up with a question that you can't answer right away and you have to start digging and thinking around it and so that's a skill that I, I keep building I want to be really good at I'm not sure I'm there yet but it's a constant you know s skill to build that to not have the answer but to have the question that leads somebody to a better answer so that's that's a focus of mine and certainly an area I want to keep building Let's take another big step back, Steph. Uh, you've been at Marcus Thomas how long now? Nine years. And what initially brought you to Marcus Thomas? I knew about Marcus Thomas since 2001 or two when I was um, getting ready to graduate college and sort of eyeing where I was going to end up. I had this false confidence or assurance that when you graduate college, there's just a job waiting for you. And in 2003 especially, that was not not necessarily the case. I was looking at the agencies in Cleveland and the work they were doing on the very early forms of agency websites. And Marcus Thomas was definitely on my radar. And so I, I came in with a very, very bad portfolio several times. Um, I talked to Jim Solish, which he doesn't remember, which I will forever take personally. He's my co-executive creative director now, but at the time he was just a brilliant creative ascending through the ranks and I wanted so badly for him to walk away from our encounters in Preston. He doesn't remember them, so. Didn't work. Didn't work, <laughs> but um, I came in and I applied once. I did a writing test and it didn't work out and so, I did what any normal 22, 23-year-old would do at the time and took up bartending and just kind of built a Cleveland network from there. Um, I ended up getting an unpaid internship at a local agency, and it ended, and I still kept going because um, there wasn't a position 
available, but I'm like, I'll just keep showing up until they tell me I can anymore. And eventually that day came. They're like, it's really not fair for us to have you keep coming in. (laughs) But I was so sure that copywriting was what I wanted to do that I refused to take anything else. Unfortunately, one of the account people I was working with at Wise shared my info with another agency in town at the time. It was called Muhammad Riley. They brought me in on a freelance basis that became a full-time junior copywriting job and led to my first creative director role. And then um, I, I judged the Addies one year with Joanne Kim, who is a former chief creative officer here at Marcus Thomas and a mentor and, and friend of mine. She and I had great conversation about the work and it just felt like it was time to move on to something bigger and I saw an opportunity to fulfill that initial vision of joining the Marcus Thomas team. So she brought me on and yeah, I've been here since. So forever grateful that we had the opportunity to judge the Addies together and get to know each other. And the rest is history, as they would say. Maybe it's a good thing Jimmy wasn't judging the Addies. (laughs) Goodness. I, I razz him all the time about it, but I love working with Jimmy and we have a great relationship and it's an honor to work with him as well. Finally. <laughs> and you mentioned, obviously, bugs that you've had to learn about, but I'm, I'm guessing you've had to learn about so many different things as a copywriter. Yeah. We had John Booth on the show, and he talked about just him not feeling like an expert in a lot of topics, but he has to learn about topics to write about them. And even if he's not an expert at those topics, he feels like he is at writing. So as long as he knows how to write, he can learn about anything else. Do you agree with that? And is there anything that you've, any, any other crazy things you've had to learn about that you didn't know much about going in? Not to pit you against John. I mean, no, I'd like yeah. I, actually, Do you That agree? was my purpose okay, was okay, to okay. pit against John. John is a, I mean, he's obviously an expert at taking pretty complex subject matters and making them make sense to people. And I feel like my strength is sort of, wrapping my brain around a complicated subject and then turning it into something that is digestible and sounds like, you know, a human with emotions and, you know, all of that came came up with it. I, I, I don't think I'm an expert on most things. I just kind of innately curious and um, I like putting concepts into words that move people to do something, whether that's laugh or feel good or feel emotion or donate money or whatever the thing that I want them to do is, but things that I've become a quasi-expert in. Uh, I've I've written on fluid system components, um, which that was, you know, complex. But again, in that case, we were talking about the pressures that those people feel in their jobs. So not necessarily the the product that we offer and all of the intricacies of that product, but how we can help them as people and humans and understanding the stresses of their jobs. So it's taking something that is highly technical, but then appealing to people in a way that's very emotional. I think that's the magic of our job as advertisers. And that's behind a lot of what you and I have worked together on for several clients is identifying that human factor and expanding on it. And, and I think you do a great job of taking these ideas, these concepts, these directions, manifestos, and putting them into language that people can rally around. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, 
we're all people. You, the people making the crazy widgets or like, you know, we work on CraftMate. There's a lot of expertise that goes into building the, you know, a raised panel door or whatever. But the person making it is more concerned about like, I'm making somebody's home. I'm helping somebody live out their dream in their space. So like tapping into the emotion, whether you're speaking to their internal audience or like the stresses and worries and anxieties that come with planning a kitchen. You know, people aren't picking out a cabinet door. They're planning that that space. And so tapping into the emotions, positive and negative, around that transformation is, is way more important than saying, we build really nice cabinets. So, yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think that's why creative advertisers are so important is, like, you know, helping your client understand the human emotions that are behind the product and the journey that their their audiences are on and tapping into that so that you can connect with them as a brand. Do you enjoy writing outside of work or are you more let's leave work at work? Uh, I enjoy the idea of it and I have a couple like projects that bounce around in my brain but I find in reality it's really hard. Um, I'm a mom of two little boys and I, I find that my time outside of work is so limited that it's really hard to set aside that space to be personally creative. So I would say that Marcus Thomas gets the bulk of my creative writing energy. I would love to do more of it, but I, I think I like channel some of that into my children and my role as a mom to be creative with what I share with them and get them excited about the world and their future and all the things, like showing them things and in a way, you're kind of like creating their view of the world. And I think there's something really cool and exciting about that. So I pour more of my energy into that than personal writing pursuits. But I'd love to get back to that. I do have like an idea for a children's book that I'm super passionate about and would love to carve out the space to make it happen. But I'm finding other ways to channel creativity that work for me in this crazy phase I'm in right now. And we'll see, maybe, maybe someday. And speaking of you being a parent, another thing I wanted to bring up, I remember, again, when I had started here about seven years ago, you were going on maternity leave with, I think, your first son. Mm-hmm. And while you were gone, Derek here built you something, which you still have today. Derek, do you want to explain what that is that Stephanie returned to when she came back from maternity leave? Yeah, so, leave? I, you know, she's a wine aficionado. So we built a pergola over her desk with a big mural of a vineyard in the background. So when she came back, she has a pergola with squirrels on it and a, and a vineyard. So it's uh, welcome back to Marcus Thomas from your maternity leave. And it's still there. I'm, I'm really it's, amazed. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, my gosh. It was so awesome. Like, at that time, Marcus Thomas, people did kind of pranks around paternity and maternity leave so if you left the agency for any stretch of time you might come back to find that your office has been set up piece for piece in one of the men's bathroom stalls or you might find that everything's been covered in wrapping paper or aluminum foil so there was a little bit of a culture of pranking which made everything really fun but this was like the sweetest, most overwhelming prank <laughs> I've ever seen. Like I came in, I, I made a point that morning, my first morning back from maternity leave, I made a point to come early because I was 
worried about readjusting. I was worried that I'd be hyper emotional and didn't want everybody to see me falling apart. And I walk in and I'm like, what is, and I saw it from the back and was just like, what, what is happening here? I remember, I remember, I remember you dropping your bag when you I, saw it. I was working with John McCafferty at the time. Yes. And he was texting me, is Stephanie there yet? Has she seen it? And I remember sending him a photo of you staring at it. <laughs> just in disbelief. <laughs> I want that photo. Do you have that photo? I was, I, I teared up. It was so, it was so sweet. To me, when people ask about, you know, gosh, you've been at Marcus Thomas almost a decade. Like, what keeps you there? The pergola is <laughs> a huge part of it. And what it stands for, which is, people that like to go out of their way to be creative and kind and caring for others. But it just was, it was very meaningful to me. And it made me realize I had found some place where, you know, I had friends that really cared and and almost an, an office family. It was emblematic of the support I had as I was navigating this new part of my journey. And I've felt that support all the way through. So I, I you know, I had a second son after that. It's, it's definitely challenging to go through that, that life altering experience and try to keep up with your career. But I've had a ton of moral and professional support. And that's certainly a huge thing that makes me want to stay. So thanks, Derek. <laughs> I know I've thanked you a few times before, but if they offered me a corner office, which they haven't, um, I, I think it would be really hard to leave my pergola. So we talked about you've been at Marcus Thomas for about a decade, and mm-hmm. you talked about working with your peers and how great that is. And one thing I thought was really nice was you were promoted recently. And there's a new thing they do sometimes when someone is promoted specifically in the creative department where they read nice things your peers have said about you. And one thing that stuck out to me was Kara Gildone had called you a creative genius. Ugh. And I've always felt like if somebody were to say that about me, I would feel like I was king of the world. How did that feel in that moment to receive that kind of compliment from a peer? Well, I love Kara, um, and we're also close friends, so I take it with a grain of salt. It's very flattering. That whole, I, I cried when that happened. Um, I knew that they were making the announcement, but I didn't realize that it was going to come with all of those kind words. And I think that meant a lot more to me than the title. You know, I just try to do the best work I can. And, and, and you know, if my, you know, if I'm helping my teams get to a, a great solution, then that feels really good. So I'm, it's nice. But yeah, you're making me blush just bringing it up. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. For That's that. something that I think a lot of people share here is, is this is not a place that's driven by egos. Um, so that humility is, is everywhere, which I really, really appreciate. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think one of the things that's most exciting about Marcus Thomas and something that I didn't necessarily have at some of the smaller agencies I've been at is that you're just around these people who are incredible experts. They're like so smart and know their space so well that you, that, you know, like you would easily apply that label genius, but but they don't act like it. Like they're always willing to carve some time out of their day to sit with you and help you try to wrap your brain around their world. And they're excited to work with you and collaborate with you. And I think that's so, so powerful. So it's just inspiring to work around really smart people who are just as 
understanding and generous with their time. Um, it's a rare combination. I feel like we're really lucky to have that here. Well, Stephanie, I think we've probably taken up enough of your time today. Um, I could go forever. I know. I, this is great. That we love talking to you. That's we really fun. appreciate you doing this. I know you never say it about yourself, how great you are, but I, I know so many people like me would say not only were they intimidated by you, but that they learned so much from you and are still learning so much from you. So really, thank are you. Are you for still that. intimidated, Jesse? You feeling a little bit better now that it's done? I felt yeah. a little bit better after volleyball, actually. Oh, and this oh, is really? kind of like icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad. Well, please don't be intimidated. And yeah, to anyone listening, don't be intimidated. If I ask a question, it really is because I'm innately curious and I want to know more about the project or the assignment. So, so yeah. Thank you for asking questions. And we promise to ask better ones next time. Mm -hmm. You guys are great. I'm so glad you're doing this. I can't wait to learn more about um, some of our newer folks too. So I hope you continue to do this. Thanks. Thank you very much again. Thanks for being here. Today's show was hosted by Jesse DeFranco and me, Derek Oyen. It was recorded and mixed by the man to my right, Mikey Nichols. Our theme was composed and recorded by David Beamer. Thanks, David. Ask a Better Question is produced in and by Marcus Thomas. The opinions on this show are not those of Marcus Thomas. You can take that up with Jesse and me.